Joseph, you were not being replaced. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Well, we'll we'll give uh, we'll give more announcement later. But Mike and Laney will be with us for the next three weeks before they start their their new adventure. They're going uh, self-funded uh, missionary volunteers. They're going to be traveling to several different countries and just uh, going to be a blessing. And so we're glad. Uh, I'm glad. Mom's glad that they're at the house with us for a few weeks. So I want you to take your Bibles with me and let's go over to Mark, the fifth chapter. Mark, the fifth chapter. Mark, the fifth chapter. As you're turning there, I just want to say how proud I am of this church and those who participated in the cardboard testimonies last Sunday. That was tremendous. It was absolutely tremendous. And it it takes a lot of guts to step out there and say, this is where I was at, but this is what God has done. And man, what a powerful, powerful service. I just like, was just been basking in that uh, all week. And I just want to say thank you for those that participated and uh, just making, just letting your, your testimony of Christ be seen and heard. Uh, we'll do that again uh, one day in the future, but I just want to say thank you for those that, that participated. As we continue our Freedom Series, I want to encourage you. I haven't been out there. I kind of somewhat guilted them into signing the sheet last Wednesday when it came to fasting. But uh, let me just extend that guilt on to this group so that you won't feel, uh, that you won't feel uh, out of place or, or, or neglected at all. But seriously, we don't want to just have a series of meetings. We want to have a move of the Spirit of God. We want to see lives touched, lives changed, lives transformed. And many times, folks, God will bring a blessing forward, and then there'll be an onslaught of the enemy. You see, when the, when you, you'll have the fire burning, and you'll, you'll be there warming yourself by the fire, and all of a sudden, the serpent will reach out and grab you. You know what you do? You throw him right back in. <laughs> Wait, it was supposed to kill Paul. No, you just throw it right back in. So don't be surprised when, when you step up and declare what God has done if there's some sort of hellish backlash. It's all right. God's bigger than all of that. Just throw it back in the fire and keep on praising, keep on doing what you're doing, and don't get alarmed at the voices that hit you and the things that happen, okay? Fair enough? But we don't want just a series of meetings. We want a move of God because souls are at stake. And so let me encourage you, we're going to be praying the, the church, not this Monday, next Monday will be open from 9 to noon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, we're calling forth for a fast, asking you to fast. You can choose your fast. I'm not going to tell you what to fast. If you want to do a Hebrew fast, you can do that. You can just not eat until 6 o'clock that evening, and then you get that one meal, don't gorge until midnight, you, but still again, you can do what you want to do. <laughs> Some of you say, well, I have dietary restrictions. I do too. I've got to eat all I can every day. But nonetheless, how do I maintain this? This It's I've got to put fuel into it. I understand that. You know, the worst thing about fasting is you get hungry. So when you're fasting food. But let me encourage you, if you can't do that, you choose your fast, okay? Sugar, fish. I'm, I'm fasting sardines and crackers. But anyway... You choose your fast, and just let it be between you and God. Amen? All right, let's look at Mark, the fifth chapter, as we continue on our freedom series. 
we continue on our freedom series. And as we look at this today, the man with the legion of spirits, this demonized man, we're going to be looking at a worst case scenario. I think we could call it a worst case scenario to discover the miracle working power of the gospel. So you may have got a very difficult situation you're in or you've come out of. We look at this man and it's, he's, he's pretty worst case, okay? And we'll get into that. But see, it's not just the deliverance we're looking for. It's not just the rescue we're looking for. We're looking to be empowered to live free. It's not just being free, not just coming out of the cage, but it is living a life of freedom. And today I'm going to talk to you about being empowered to live free. Holy Spirit, I welcome you wholeheartedly into this house to do what only you can do. Move, Lord God, that our hearts may be changed and transformed into the likeness and the image of Christ. And Lord, we love you and thank you today. Let's look here, beginning, we're going to read a number of verses. Then they came to the other side, this is Mark 5, then they came to the other side of the sea, that Sea of Galilee, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. But he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broke in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? He, not he then, he asked him, what, it is, what, is, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 10, also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountain, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and there was about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. See, the pigs won't even put up with what we put up with sometimes. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it to the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed, had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. Those who saw it told them how it happened to him. And he had been demon-possessed and about the swine. They began to plead with him, plead with Jesus, I want you to depart from our region. And he got into the boat, he and who was demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, 
Go home to your friends. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him in all marveled. Wow. Now, let me, let me say to you today, as we look at this, being empowered to live free. Being empowered to live free. See, we could have the sin debt paid for and still live destructively. You could have the power of the devil, the power of the devil and his strength, he could be judged and even bound, and it's still not going to change you entirely. It's true. When Jesus came, he paid the sin debt with his sacrifice. We have to accept him as Lord and Savior in order to have that benefit of our sin debt being paid for. The enemy was also judged on the cross. So we understand that his power in a covenant person's life, is, is it, he may come against you, but we have power through the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Amen? But see, we can have those two aspects, but if you don't conquer self... If you don't, if God didn't empower us, did not empower us, that we may walk in the authority to overcome ourselves, we would fall right back into those same holes on those same sidewalks if we continue to move forward without the empowering of God's Spirit. Amen? So let's look at Gadara, the place that he's from. Some of your Bibles may say the garrisons, and that's all right. It was the same general region. In fact, uh, there was a city, the Decapolis, and this city was part of, of the Decapolis, which means ten cities. Along, it was south of Galilee in the Golden Heights, and there were ten different cities. There was Hippa, and there was Philadelphia, and there was the, the Gadarene, and and. It says here in the translation I'm reading from is that he was from Gadarene. So as you go south of the Sea of Galilee, you get into the Golden Heights, and there's a, there's a, a, a big mountain range there. And Gadara was positioned on one of those mountains. Now these ten cities were Greek-speaking Greek, Greek cities filled with paganism and we, we have there, they had somewhat, some measure of autonomy. They could rule to some degree until the, the history says that Gadara rebelled against Rome. And Rome put such oppression on them that they had to pay double tax at everybody else. <laughs> so it kind of was a rough area. And with these cities there, they, they were self-governing. They were... They were kind of city-states under Roman rule. What we see here is that just to where the city was, was formed, up above there was all of the, the tombs. You could see it from the city. So you could imagine the tombs were up above, and then there's the, uh, the city down below. Now I want you to notice something here, that this man, as, as he, this demonized man, the worst-case scenario, he was dwelling there in the tombs. He was dwelling 
among the dead. We had a conversation. He conversed with the dead. Amen? This is what sin will do to us. Lead us off and set us up and we converse with the dead. He's there and he is self-harming. He's cutting himself with stones. He's using stones to hurt himself. Now, there may be some folks in here, but maybe you're not using stones to cut yourself, but maybe you're cutting yourself and self-destructing in other ways. Could be a bottle, could be a pot, could be a relationship, could just be a stinking, rotten, no good, sorry attitude. Amen? There's just some ways in which you can self-destruct, bring harm to yourself. Sin happens to be the thing that that, that causes us to, to self-destruct. But what we have here is this demonized man, and I'm venturing to guess he might have kept some people up at night. That's just speculation. Because he's always crying out. He's always playing his music way too loud too many hours of the night. <laughs> he's demonized. He's he's. His voice can be heard down below. If he wasn't bothering anybody, he wouldn't bother chaining him up. It says they often tried to chain him. You don't often try to chain somebody that is just walking in peace. He was, became a frustration to all that around that region. They often went out there. I don't know how many it took. But they often went out there and they put shackles on his wrists and on his feet just trying to bind him to keep him quiet. The Bible says he ripped those things off somehow or another. He found himself, he got got loose. (laughs) Now the Bible tells us there that as Jesus asked him his name, and I I think the Lord obviously has access to all knowledge, the Lord Jesus. So he wasn't just asking him his name for his benefit. He was asking him his name for our benefit. Think about it. I'm legion. I am legion. He didn't talk about the others. He was speaking in first person. I'm singular. I'm legion. But we find out that all the demons, it wasn't just legion, See, hell is centered on selfishness, even in their hierarchy. So he's just focused on himself. He said, I'm legion. And this is not a message on demonology, but we want to see something here. We see that there, I'm legion. Legion, we have that reference to the Roman military. That's about 6,000 soldiers. We know that, I'm sure that there might have been 2,000 swine over there, if there were 6,000 swine, I'm sure that all of them would have ran off into the sea. But we do know there was a herd of swine, and there were 2,000 swine estimated, that's a lot of pigs, that those demons were allowed to go into after they came out of the man, and they ran down into the sea, and they drowned. What does that speak to you and I as far as the human capacity? If we can see the human capacity to house that that much evil, don't you understand that we have the same capacity to house that much heaven? 
And I believe that's what the Lord Jesus was trying to express here. It's to show us the capacity of the human soul to understand that there's far more that we are capable of than what we could even imagine. Now, Jesus asked that spirit his name. But I want you to note something. That spirit didn't need to ask Jesus what his name was. (laughs) He knew full well. Because the word of the Lord says that the devil believes and trembles. He knows the power of Christ. Why do you think he attacks you so? Why do you think that he comes after you the way that he does from as early of age that he possibly can? Because he knows if you come to the revelation of who Christ will be in you if you receive him, it will change his kingdom of darkness. It will destroy and push back. The greatest threat to hell today is sitting in this room right now. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. With that comes responsibility. Now, I'm not a... I don't go looking for devils, and I hate when they show up. <laughs> I've had a, some occurrences, and I've, I've, we've dealt in our ministry through the years. We've dealt with, with, with demonized people. They're not always the smartest things in the world. Cast three devils, six devils out of a young lady one night, and then one of them looked up and said, we are all gone now. We're all gone now. (laughs) So we're not glamorizing the devil today, understand. And we're not stepping up here saying that this we're experts in these areas of demonology. But what I have discovered in my journey with the Lord in dealing with human depravity and the demonization, the demon will, you have natural emotions, anger, fear. Uh, You have natural emotions that, that take place. You know, you can feel hate for someone. When a demon comes along, what he does is, with your permission allowed inside and in, in, in your thought life and such, he can so intensify that emotion, intensify that spirit of fear, intensify those thoughts of suicide, intensify those spirits of hatred, intensify. And what he offers to you in that emotional place is he offers to you what we call a stronghold. Now, a stronghold by definition is only this. A stronghold is a place of safety. So many times, abuse brings about the demonization of a person because they so hate the abuser that they reach for that hate and they get some small measure of cathartic release because they hate the perpetrator so much. It's just an intensification of that emotion. And it becomes a stronghold. Amen? Now, I don't go looking for devils, but I don't run from them either. (laughs) And if they show up, it's time to deal with it. Usually when they start manifesting, it's time to get rid of them. Because they don't don't always want to show themselves. 
Because they, once they, they step out of the darkness, when the light comes in, now all of a sudden, oh my God, it's like, oh, I see you, devil. <laughs> Time to go. You've manifested, and now you've got to get out. So they always want to linger around. Linger around in the darkness. Worst case scenario. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking, because he has anointed, he has empowered me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. When I look at that passage of Scripture, I've always kind of separated that as groups of individuals, haven't you? But then, what we don't, well, sometimes we fail to realize it, it is, it could be a different set of, of individuals, but it could also be a single individual. A person who is poor, they're bankrupt. Anybody ever been spiritually bankrupt? They sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody ever been broken and bankrupt at the same time? Proclaim uh, liberty to the captives. Anybody ever been bound, uh, broken, and bankrupt all at the same time? Anybody ever got so lost in your cage of darkness that you were blinded and you've been blind, bound, broken, and bankrupt all at the same time? And then we have those who are oppressed or bruised. I have been bruised, blind, bound, broken, and bankrupt all in the same cell that I've sat in. Amen? In my own heart. So I want to say to you, Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Now what we have is the taming of the untamable. See, because we many times use the excuse or excuses. I'm not speaking to you, but this is for the friend that you're thinking about right now that needs this message, okay? The one that says, the devil made me do it. It was the devil that made me do it. As a covenant child of God, you have power not to do it. Amen? So you can't blame the devil for your cravings. You can't blame the devil for your behavior. Otherwise, you don't realize the full covenant that you're in. But what we have is, is we have so many times the excuses. I can't do that because of this. I can't move forward because of that person. I can't inch in because of this person's perception of me and that person's perception of me and what my father said about me and what my mother said about me and of what the, the, the hurt that I received. And so we have a whole lot of excuses uh, that kind of come forward and then we become strategists. And now we, 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 we have moves and counter moves. Uh, we become, um, we become, start making up all these laws about what we will do and what we won't do. And I'll go this far, but I won't go that far. And it's all based in a, in a cage of lies uh, and in a cage of, 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 of disorientation uh, of who you are called to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody ever played basketball? Anybody ever, anybody ever scored for the wrong team? You haven't? I have. Repeatedly in the same game. <laughs> Andrew was a basketball player. Not hard to believe. Did the same thing. Anybody that's ever played basketball, you, 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 get in a, you put the jersey on. You want to win the game. You're not out there to lose. If you're out there to lose, you shouldn't be playing to begin with. 
But you get in the game, and, and you want to win the game, and so you get on, they throw you the ball, and you go down court, and wait a minute, and the whole crowd is cheering. Go, go, number whatever. Go, number three. Make that point. When the, We don't realize that the screams that are coming in are like, turn around. Turn around. You're like, ooh, look at me. I'm all alone. I'm all alone on this court. Woo! I'm getting to the other end. And in that moment, you make, oh, I, I remember the practice. I, I remember the drills we went through. Watch me now. That knee goes up. I, I, I'm, I'm laying that, oh, right over. Score! And all the fans and the coach and the players are like, Sanders has done it again. Scored for the wrong team. Come on. Any, any, any witnesses? Anybody done this? Andrea was, Andrea's coach finally stopped her at halftime and said, look, if you score two more points, you're going to be high score on, on both teams. <laughs> See, but what happens to us? We get disoriented. We got the jersey on. We want to win but we're heading down the wrong end of the court. And the screams that are coming out, the screams that are distorting, causing a continual distortion, uh, we think it's the cheers of, of the home team when it's the cheers of the opposing team. And then we can't many times distinguish those noises that are coming our way. But see, the Holy Spirit will give us clarity. Amen? Taming the untamable. My God in heaven, we need to ask ourselves, am I scoring for the wrong team? You know who the devil will use? The same ones God will use. You can be a gateway of heaven or you can be a gateway of hell. Oh, preacher, you can't talk like that. Oh, yeah, I am. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you this. You can be used of the devil to hurt people, and you can be used of God to help people. It happens every single day. Where we turn my mic on on that one. So as we look here, I want you to notice something. Here is the untamable, worst-case scenario. As we talked about, the reason I brought up the demonization and the emotions We have 2,000 swine that run off. They were looking for some dry places to land. They wanted to go into the beasts of the field before they left their region. What we have is if you put one per, per pig, you've got 2,000. But if you do the numbers and the math and just look at the estimation of a legion, you've got about three per pig. Not just the capacity, but I think about the torment, the continual night and day torment that this man must have been in. I think about the emotional impact upon this man because if the enemy comes in and he intensifies hatred, intensifies fear, intensifies all these things, what torment must this guy be in? Would you agree it's not, a, it's not a good situation for him? 
and he's crying out for help. I think a lot of what we are frustrated about in this modern age that we're living in is a generation that's crying out for help. They're crying out for identity. They're crying out for deliverance. They're crying out for hope. And they can't find it because they're living in the tombs. And instead of finding hope, what they're doing is they're just, they're, they're hurting themselves. They're cutting themselves, trying to find some relief to the emotional torment that they're living in. And here's this man who could not be tamed by anything in the natural. Chain him up, he'll break the chain. Shackle him up, he'll break the shackles. Oh my God, he looked from the top of that hill, from the tombs, from his place of death, from the place that he was crying out from, from the place of self-harm. And in the midst of that, he looks down the hillside and from a distance, he he saw in the midst of his darkness a light shining out in that darkness. And he said, oh, he didn't wait on Jesus. He ran to him. Ran to him. What is the purpose of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are the city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden because the light of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be shining. So that even those that are, we don't reach when we come into conversation with that can see from a great distance off, wait a minute, there is the hope I need. There is the one that I'm looking for. His name is Jesus. He doesn't look like these other spirits. He doesn't act like these other spirits. Why? Because all they talk about is death. But we are going to the one who is shining in the midst of the darkness. And he runs to the feet of Jesus. Why in the world do I want to keep scoring for the enemy? Amen? When I'm on the winning side. Oh, we planted a church in the inner city of Glasgow, Scotland. We rented a hall that was there. We packed our sound equipment in and we packed it out. We started having a prayer meeting in the, in the evening service. And, but before we went in, there was a, was it Sunday night or Wednesday night? I can't remember. But before we went in to have our prayer meeting, as we were praying and asking God for revival in in Glasgow, Scotland, we would go in there and there was a spiritualist group, necromancers, that would come in an hour before we came in. The same room, rented the same room. And so what is a necromancer? They were there talking to the dead. So we would come in and we would just pray. Same room, same place. Walk into that darkness. Of course, we learned to anoint the thing. Anoint the room. We'd go in there and we'd pray. Well, we got to notice it on our Sunday services. A couple of ladies started showing up. It was like, hey, how are you? We're doing good. Have I met you? No. But we were part of the necromancer group. And all they want to do is talk about the dead and talk to the dead. And we found out y'all talk to the living. So we're going to go to your place. <laughs> oh, man, I've got, I've got just a few minutes to give you the good stuff. Okay, I want you to see something here. Jesus 
is the light out there. And see those two ladies there, they saw a light. Never even spoke to them. We just, they felt the presence of God. And they came in. I want you to notice when Jesus simply tells the 6,000 potential spirits in this demonized man, get out. There wasn't any huff and puff and no, it was just done. He's done. Why? Because Jesus knows his authority and the devil knows the authority of Jesus. When he says go, go. Go. Get. Sayonara. Asa la vega, baby. Get on out. And he's gone. And we notice there that when he's finished, the people in the region come out to check it out. And when they show up, not knowing what to expect, this man is sitting, he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. This terror of the county, he's sitting, he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. Now, as you look at that, I want to talk to you just the remainder of our time about being seated, about being clothed, and being in your right mind. See, because when Jesus comes in, he sets us down alongside him. Amen? We are seated with the Lord. Let me give you some scripture. We, are, we understand that in Mark 16, 19 through 20, it says, And so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he, had received, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Ephesians 1 and 20, When he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at the right hand. Do you understand that when God created the heavens and the earth, he did so in six days? And what did he do on the seventh day? He slept all day because he is He sat down and he gives us rest because the work is complete. It's complete. This is the beautiful thing about the Word of God. We're included in this rest. Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up together. What? We were raised. Have you died with Christ, child of God? Then you have risen with him, child of God. And if you have risen with him, then you are seated with him in heavenly places. Made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we don't work to rest. We start from rest. As Tertullian would say, one of the godfathers of the, of the, of the church, he would say that the resurrection is played out every day. That the light dies in the darkness, but it is resurrected the next day. Now, when you go to, unless you're working the night shift, unless you work the night shift, you're going to go when it gets dark, and you're going to bed down, and you're going to go to sleep, and you're going to start your day not at work. You're going to start your day at rest. See, so whenever you come into the kingdom of God, you start at rest. You don't work to rest. You rest so that you can go forth from that place and do the work of God. 
Oh my God, if we get a hold of this, it'll change everything. You'll stop working to try to get to that place of peace and you'll just start walking in the peace. Amen? Come unto me, all you are labor and heavy laden, I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest to your souls. Now hear this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a connective thing between us and Christ, us and rest, us and rest. So you can't have rest in Jesus. You can't be seated in rest with Jesus unless you're connected to Jesus. <laughs> Amen? You, you, you're, not, you, you're not righteous in yourself and in your works. You're righteous in him. You're not in good standing by yourself and all the wonderful things you've done. I don't care how long your resume is or all the goodness uh, that you've ever performed. You cannot uh, have the righteousness of God unless you have the God of righteousness in you. And you've got to be in God. But if you're always working to rest and you're always working to be at that place of, of completion, you will never accomplish that. As long as you live, you can't do it in yourself. He came and did it. That's why he has the authority to tell the legion to get and they go. And now that worst case scenario individual can sit down and be at rest. It's rested. Why? Because it's complete. He's not looking to cut himself anymore. He's not screaming from the tombs anymore. He's not talking to the dead anymore. He's not uh, cuddled up with the destructive behavior anymore. He's, he's seated and he's clothed. He's clothed. He's sitting and clothed in his right mind. That word clothed, I would liken that to being protected. The word sin means harmatia, or the Greek word for sin is harmatia. It means, uh, means missing the mark. You've heard that. But it means more than just missing the mark. It is a forfeiture because you've missed the mark. It's a forfeiture because you're aiming at a, a target over here, but the target's right there. So you're, you're always trying to shoot at a target and you're aimed at the wrong target, and you're missing everything. So you forfeited all of your inheritance because you're aiming at the wrong thing. You may be aiming at your own works to be validated, to be good enough, and you wonder why you can't live in rest and peace, and you're not protected. It's because you're shooting at the wrong target. A forfeiture of missing the mark, it's a brand of sin that emphasizes it's self-originated, self-empowered nature. It's not the power of God working through you. Sin is missing the message altogether. Paul said, I press toward the mark. Who's the mark? Jesus is the mark. Our faith is in the mark of what he has done. And this man 
as tragic as it was, all the years that he lived in this self-destructive behavior and more demons and demons and demons and demons just kept, kept coming. I don't know if he started out with a little and ended up with a lot or just started out as a lot. But there this man so horrifically tormented, he is now resting with the Lord and he has now hit the mark because he ran to the Lord and God set him free by his power. See, to save, to be saved is to sozo. If you understand saved, we think, oh yeah, I come down to the altar, I say a prayer, and and now I go out and I I do whatever I bloody well please. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Because now, to have that rest, you've got to be connected. To have that righteousness, you've got to be connected. You've got to walk in Him and, and let Him walk in you. But the sozo is not just being saved, it's being healed. This man needed some healing in his heart. There were some tragic things that must have happened to him somewhere, possibly in the pagan worship that he was in. Could be a, who knows what afflictions he had suffered. We don't know those things. But what we do know is that he was sozo that day. He was healed. He was delivered. He was set free by the power of the anointed destroy the cage on the inside of me. My Lord God, you can have more joy in sin than a gospel presentation like that. I want to be free. I want to know how to live free. I want to know how to walk free. I want to know how to think free. I want to know how to lead other people to freedom. He was clothed. He wasn't naked and ashamed. He was Sitting in his right mind. Let's see that word sozo. See, when you come to Christ and accept him, the completed work of the sacrifice of Christ, this is the good news. This is the, the good news. He said he saves me from sin, Satan, and self. He delivers me from sin, Satan, and self. He heals me from sin, Satan, and self. And all the afflictions that's come on me. But he not only rescues me. See, it's one thing to rescue a person or bring them out of that bondage. He brings us, that word sozo, this is included in, he brings that captive who he set free, he brings them to a place of safety. Now he protects. Where does he bring us? To himself. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into him, and they are saved. Amen. Now, when the enemy comes, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I traded my strongholds. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not addicted to that, that stuff anymore. I've got, a, I've got another place of peace. It's real peace. It's not as the world gives. It's a peace that Jesus gives. It's a real peace, an eternal peace, because this world's peace, it's gonna, it, it, it may have some, uh, some relative good for a moment, but it's going to fall all to pieces. But let me tell you, there's a peace that God gives us that will not fall to pieces. It will cause us to stand in the midst of every storm in faith. He's clothed. He's rested and he is protected. Galatians 3.20, Romans 13.14, Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10, all about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, being clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ, putting on the new man, putting on the new man. He's seated, he's clothed, 
He's in his right mind. He's in his right mind. The word repent, metanoia, metanoia. See, we, many times we, we think of that word repent is a, is a, we, we define it like we would define it in our, in our language. <clears throat> repent is to do an about face, a 360, 180, I'm sorry. Too many 360s that are happening. <laughs> repent. Right back where I started. I don't get this. Where it should be. Oh, there's life. There's life. But see, it's more than just, if you look at the, the word repent, metanoia, it, it means more than that. It's to, it's to change one's mind. And purpose. It's um, it, it's not just a changing of mind or, or hey, this is logical. I see your point now. I guess I'll do something else instead. No. It's something so much deeper than that. It is the transformation that takes place on the innermost part of your being. It is a it is an opening of the understanding that leads in you. That's my part. But then the Lord's part is to reach down into my darkened understanding and begin to open up the very resource, the corridors of my heart. Pull back the veil just like the veil was taken down at Calvary. He pulls the veil that has been keeping me in the darkness and he opens it up and now the light comes in and it's the aha moment. Wait! Your life is my light. I can see. I'm not a broken, tormented, drug addict, abuser, self-afflicting harm. I don't have to guard myself from people. I don't have to live like I'm a caged animal. I don't live like I'm bound anymore. Why? Because I'm free. How are you free? The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to my inmost being. And now, because I have repented, God has entered in and he has transformed me into someone brand spanking new. Because I'm not living in sin anymore. See, we have left the supernatural grace of God out of our salvation message. We left it in some mediocre, weak popularity presentation. Just come down and make this little profession. If I don't see you again, I'll see you on the other side. I don't want that kind of gospel. That's not good news to me at all. Why? Because my bad news was bad. And I needed some good news. I needed some news that says, Mike, that might have been who you were. That's not who you are. This is who you are now. And I can take you to the place I died. 
711 Jefferson Street in Bowie, Texas, laying in my bed one night, tormented. Maybe not like this man was tormented, but I was tormented by the failures of others and by my own failures. And in that moment, I came to a desperating point. I came to this metanoia, came to this place, and I said, oh, God, oh, God, please save me or kill me, but Lord God, but please do not leave me the way that I am. Please, Lord God, save me or kill me. What was that? It was a metanoia. My life, my mind was 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 changing. It was a it was a to live in sin is to live outside of who you're meant to be. It's it's to live in this state that 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 you're just you're you're living and you're just literally out of your mind. Your decisions don't make sense. Uh, why do you keep self-harming? Why do you keep hurting those that are around you? Why do you keep self-afflicting? It's because uh, you're not living in the fullness of Christ because you're you, you're there in that place and, and your mind has not been altered because your heart hasn't changed. But my God, if you will get to that place, let's say, Lord, change my mind and you will change my purpose. And Lord God, I'm living like a lunatic doing the same thing and everything, expecting something different, but it keeps coming out the same results. God says in that moment, I can take you and put the right mind in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Where you get out of this self-destructive behavior because you stop being so blasted, selfish. You know where nine-tenths of all marriage relationships would be healed? If you would look in the mirror of self and you would ask God to show you really how selfish you really are. How much you are really after your own self-interest instead of the interest of that other person. There would be a cure for many a relational problem. Amen? Now, I'll ask some of the theologians in the house. Those of you who are nervous, I am quitting. See, he was found rested. Protected. He's now in his right mind. Now God can redirect him. Jesus redirected him. I want to go with you. No, I got something. I need you. I got an assignment for you. What's your assignment? See, you've lived up here in the tombs and you've made yourself infamous. Now you're going to go out and tell your story and you're going to make God famous. You're going to go out from where you were, living, talking, living with the dead, self-afflicting harm person. You're just going to go in that crying out. You're going to tell them your story. So everybody, I'm guessing that, see, because it says he went out to the couple. The Lord said, go to your friends and neighbors. <laughs> I don't know that everybody knew him. But I think everybody, or, or he knew everybody. But I think everybody knew him. Why? Because uh, he's that crazy guy up there. You don't go to the, the Gadara, and because there's that crazy up there, and the, you don't want to get a bad Airbnb in Gadara because he will keep you up all night with his screaming and his yelling. You can't go look at the gravesites and look at the tombs because uh, there's this crazy naked man living in the tombs. 
And you're going to know him because he's got all these scars and blood all over him because he keeps hurting himself. He was infamous. The Bible shows us he became one of the first evangelists. You don't know everybody, but they know you. Now, you're going to go to these 10 city-states, and you're going to tell them what I did and how God delivered you. <laughs> so, see, once the Lord brings you and you, you find your place of rest, and you understand your protection, now you get your direction. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. Don't leave out the gory details of how much deliverance that he sets you free. We just want to give him the, the dialed down version. Yes, I was a man living in the tombs. Everything was just gloom. The Lord came by and I... Jesus, would you set me free? You want a daisy? Do you think? Will you set me free? And the Lord spoke and Hallelujah. I'm the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. The angels joined in and it was beautiful. Hmm? I don't think he told the story that way. I was naked. I was ashamed. I was tormented. I lived in fear. I did all these self-destructive things because, because I, didn't, I couldn't find any light in my darkness. I was so devastated. My childhood abuse and my, my emotional distraught. And I, as much as I wanted to do good, I kept doing bad. And I, I just was, I was separated. I was isolated. I was all alone. And there was any hope or help. No one could help me. But I saw the light. And when I saw the light, he came and set me free. He didn't clothe me first. He didn't set me down first. He didn't clean me up first. No, he started from the inside and worked my way out. I'm here today to tell you Jesus is alive and your circumstance is not beyond his reach. Worship team, make your way up. Worship team, make your way up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, it's time we get excited about what God gets excited about. You can stand, thank you. <laughs> if you're in this house today, if you're in this house today, and you're just sick and tired of the torment, I'm, I'm calling forth for the sinners and the saints. How do you know the difference? It's whether or not you're in covenant with God. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, and God's grace came in, and now I'm a saint. I'm not, God's never intended for us to continue with this uh, scoring for the other team, even though we get on the team. But see, the only way we can live and move and have our being is in Christ, in Christ alone. That's called faith. What a beautiful thing. Someone in this house today. You have identified 
but the word torment. And you have wondered how, how you would be set free. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Anybody in this house need to replace your fear with his love? Coming at you, got you so dis- disoriented. It's time to come and get reoriented. Let the Lord change your mind from the inside, this inmost part of your being. I want you right now, I'm not looking for a show of hands or bowed heads. If you need to accept Christ as your step out, step out. Doesn't matter if you've been here a thousand years or you just his first day. It doesn't make any difference. If you're here today and you're, you're tired, child of God, you're a child of God, you're tired of the torment that you're living in, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, maybe I'm not supposed to be living like this. Maybe I'm not supposed to be, maybe this is not really what the good news is. It's a good news that literally delivers you out of darkness into light. If that's you, come on. Come on, say, I'm tired of the torment. Maybe you're just on your journey, and you're like, oh, man, I've just fallen into this place, and I, I want to be like what the story Andrea said. I want, to, I want to come to the revelation where I'm not even going to go down that street anymore. I'm not even going to go down that street anymore. Come on. Come on, these altars are open. I feel the joy of the Holy Spirit said, I want to touch somebody. I want to touch somebody.